everyone. This is Natalie Kra. Welcome to another episode of Life on Earth podcast. I am thrilled to present today's guest, Marcos Hassan. He is a holistic yoga teacher and designer. Marcos is one of those people that when I first met, I felt an instant connection, as if we had known each other for years. This conversation has been an inspiration and a joy. Marcos has been teaching yoga for over 20 years. He has a lot to share. He leads retreats, yoga classes, and yoga teacher trainings, both online and in person. Born and raised in Mexico City, he's a world traveler. His personal practice blends Ayurveda, Qigong, and cross-training. Connect with Marcos and check out his website, marcoshassan.com on Instagram at Marcos Hassan. This show is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. Leading yoga trainings for over a decade, we offer 200 and 300 hour yoga programs online and in person, as well as yoga nidra and meditation. For more information, go to shantiyogatrainingschool.com. Check out our show notes for all things mentioned in this episode. Please enjoy this incredible conversation with Marcos Hassan. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa. To celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. Welcome, Marcos Hassan. How are you doing today? I'm very happy to be here and very happy to have a chance to talk with you again. Me too. It's been a little while. Do you remember? Do you happen to remember what year we went to Nicaragua? I have the feeling it was the New Year's of 2016. Okay, okay. That that sounds about right. And just for the listeners that are tuning in, I wanted to tell them about our connection. So Marcos and I, we went on a yoga retreat. There was a lot of yoga teachers there, but we were on a yoga retreat for any carpenter who has been on the podcast. And also for uh, the beloved Mati Israti. <laughs> I know. And what's funny is that I didn't realize that you're, you know, when, when we've been talking about you coming on the podcast, that pretty much the last few interviews, Mati has been mentioned in every episode because it was students of Mati or a teacher that worked with Mati. So it's funny because she's for the last, like for four or five episodes, I feel like she's very much alive on life on earth podcast, you know? So it's, it's a blessing that we met like that. And she's alive in my practice. I know. And mine too. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. It's uh, this slapping, love... slapping sense of humor. <laughs> I know. I know. So I would love to at some point talk about her because I've had different perspectives of people who have studied with her. And that has been one of my questions on Life on Earth podcast. But let's start with you. I would love to know 
Marcos, tell us, us and the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do now, all that. <laughs> so I'm about to turn 50. So okay. born in 74. And it's been half a century. I was born in Mexico City. Back then when it was not a very famous place and people were all afraid of this being a dangerous place. I then decided to study architecture. And I really have been wanting to have an impact in the world with bettering environments. This has been, at first, I thought architecture and urbanism was going to be my path. But already I was doing yoga. And then as I was developing my career, people were asking for yoga as if I did nothing else. <laughs> and so at a certain given point, I turned my face to doing the practice as the practice of teaching. And I made it my full-time environment. It was by then I had already studied a few teacher trainings. Like also, funny enough, Larry Schultz also passed away. He was my first teacher. He mm. created the rocket in a yoga school in San Francisco called It's Yoga. That I think was later taken by Bodhi Tree and the Yoga Work System and then back. I think yeah, I know group, of him. I know of him. I've never studied with him, but I know of him very well. Yeah. And he 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 taught us with some other group of teachers. One of them was Baptiste Marceau, who was also part of that first generation that practiced out of coming out of India in in Hawaii. And the Chuck Miller was part of that group. Mm -hmm. I understand well. And the Svensons and the Hess brothers and all that first Ashtanga generation, they were yeah. all very much my main teachers. Either they, David, and, David and Doug Swenson, they were in that group too, and Chuck Miller and probably Tim Miller, Marty. And, and Brian Kess's brother and Brian Kess himself and Larry Schultz. And then also there were other, there were other teachers, but they were, these were all, they all became Mati. I mean, they all became my teachers. Somehow the, that specific group had the vigor in the practice and the strength in the breath and this Ashtanga that then became power yogas and became the rocket and became the yoga work system, which it's interesting to watch that this first generation of Ashtangis gave a breed of yoga that is an offspring of Ashtanga. Some of them kept it very classic and very pure. But some of us Westerners resonated with the frequency of an essence that's hidden in, in, in that vinyasa and, and that length and flexibility, that discipline, that meditation and movement but that came out to flower about in a, a, a myriad of kaleidoscopic sequencing that then I think brought incredible adaptability to people's bodies and, and, and cultures and state of minds because not everybody can do half lotus every morning on both sides sitting and standing. It's not necessarily the best for every single being. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And so I think it's very interesting that they they brought this this intensity and vigor of the practice mm -hmm. into formats that then became very creative. And that creativity, on the other hand, became another layer, learning lesson full of injuries. 
lower back injuries, knees injuries, shoulder injuries, neck injuries, with that halasana and so on. And so that is exactly where I come in as a, I would say, third generation, like having Krishnamacharya and Patavi Joyce be the first, and then mm-hmm. having all this group of the Hawaiian Ashtanga be the second that grew a lot in, in, in California and other places. But then when we learned from them, and we started exploring this kaleidoscopic geometry of the human body. Yeah. We also snapped a little bit on the wrong angle, either by pulling too hard or pushing too deep or uh-huh. just bending too much or doing yeah. it too often or doing it without understanding the counter actions that were specific to heal the delicate spots of the human body. And we learned yeah. this delicate spot of the large range of movement through pain it said in the, it said in the book of the yoga sutras that pain is one of the sources of of learning because it's mm-hmm. because it's the awakening fr- from ignorance when it's like modulated but then if it's too much it becomes injury and i i went to the edge right. of that when some of my teachers and friends and colleagues have been going to surgery up to two times for their lower backs or knees. Yeah, I, I went to the edge of God. that too many times. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> so I didn't go to surgery, but no, me I did go to school again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I just want to say something real quick because you said third generation. That's a really nice way to put it. I had never thought about that. Maybe even fourth generation, because if we consider Krishna Marchaya, and then the yeah. Patabi Joy's Iyengar lineage, and then the ma- and then the people you're talking about, because I too studied with the exact same group of people, different yeah. ones, but the exact same thing. And then I studied with Patabi Joy's in India for a long time. Ashtanga was very close to my heart for a long time for all the reasons you've mentioned. I think it's a really interesting thing what you just said about us being in this bracket of generation, because it's really not that far. No, it's not that far. And and actually, we have a lot of colleagues. And Yoga Alliance was born after the second generation made a spill. So uh-huh. when that, that when, and, and I'm talking Krishnamacharya with Patavi Joyce and Ayengar, yeah. I hold them all together as the first tier. Okay, okay. Teacher student kind of connection there. And then, I mean, because they happened in the same era, at least. It was at the same uh-huh. time one was learning, the other one was learning to teach. Yes. Yes. So um, third, fourth generation us. Yeah. Yeah. So so then the Yoga Alliance as a bracket to hold a, an intention of having less injuries happen. Because mm. it did start to 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 show up in the in the health system bank account. They had to pay for these injuries coming from this oh, new sport okay. called yoga. So how can mm-hmm. we brace it? And mm-hmm. they came up with like, well, like make sure you do the 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 philosophy, but make sure you have the anatomy and make sure you're being looked after. I still think it could I mean, I'm not gonna be yoga police. I don't I mean, I'm sure a lot <laughs> of people would sign up for that job. It's an interesting position. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I but, always say I'm I always say I'm not the yoga police. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I say that. I'm not the yoga police, but I I I did make manuals, very precise manuals, and I think the precision, the precision that we came about, because I believe the Matthias Ratti's generation, yeah, would have said something in the 80s, and then something else in the 90s, something else in the the and then when we when I was with her with you, I remember Mm -hmm. I said like, hey, you remember the talk to tailbone years? (laughs) 
and mm-hmm. now pull the sacrum down and back? Right. Or is it like trigger the the hamstrings or what happened with the lower back in down dog and 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 what's what about the the anterior version of the of, of the hip points and and then and then not and I believe in the microbending of the knees. Some people don't that much, but all these different cues that are part mm-hmm. of the lingo of the script of a yoga practice, not only in a yoga teaching style, but actually in the way we call ourselves in the practice from our mind to our body, giving us ourselves the instructions into the practice because mm-hmm. as we are moving in the practice it's silence in our lips but it is sheets and layers of voices overseeing detail of every anatomical the contraction of every action in every muscle the microbending the feeling in the joint and then the location of the like the point of from where we move the focal point of movement and then the breath and if it begins before or after the focal point starts moving and then how the movement is going to keep this awareness but also enhance strength and all this all these layers of voice of mind will keep on becoming more sophisticated i found in my latest practice after i've been doing it for 27 almost 28 years Oh, wow. And okay. it's a, of course, there's synthesis. Of course, we come about to, yeah, I can explain the detail to the nerve and to the chakra and dosha, mm-hmm. and like the organ and everything. But it comes, it becomes so much information in movement that we start doing. And I'm sure this has also happened to you that the practice becomes more simple and elegant, but mm-hmm. yet it includes way much more benefits. And I think mature practices yes. have these qualities. I love that you just said that, that the practice becomes more simple and elegant and way more deeper benefits. And also that as we mature in our practice, that's what we start getting. And that is such a beautiful revelation because I know you teach a lot of teacher trainings too and I do too and we have a lot of younger teachers and I think that yeah there's something that shifts right like at some point because I was that person when I was like in my 20s to me it was like about how deep can I get in this pose can I put my legs behind my head can I do this and let's not it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's really fun and it's great it really challenged me in a way that it was great body mind spirit And yet, I now find my practice is more profound, even though it's much more simple. Does that make sense? What do you have to say about that? Yes, exactly what you've said about the synthesis process and the simplicity, but it's a very sophisticated simplicity. And let's talk about business. If you're talking with businessmen, some of them are incredibly precise with the numbers and the expenses and the documentation. And then... Some other people just have this notion of what's wealth, you know, and, and, and they, they'll just know like this direction, that direction, let's invest here, let's risk here, let's not risk that. And, and they just keep it like big pop picture. When I, when I think both things are important, when I teach teacher training, I like not only 
teaching and making sure that it's it's adopted. The, every single word, every single body part, and every part of every joint, and every part of the muscle, because it has two different tendons, at least, and different behaviors and types of muscles, and the types of bones, and the types of joints, and then the planes of movement. And and with that, the, the name of the movement, of each one of the movements of all the planes of movement. And then from that into... The Ayurvedic and the and the qualities that then become part of our tone of voice. And we go into the detail as an Excel sheet at the end when you're creating a script to go into a posture properly. Your groundings and then the platforms of how you go up into the knees and the hips and the spine, and the, the shoulders and the chest. And then the details of the delicate spot, the place where you could like have an injury if you don't put attention on it. And then... The specific action in, in 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 the muscles that you need to activate to create the protection of that delicate spot, and so people learn to think in a way. If if this was business, where it's safe to make business, and they learn to move in a way that becomes safe to move, and in this regard. It takes some time. Some people are overwhelmed at, at, the, at, the, at the beginning with the anatomy and all this detailing and, and the scripture of a posture having all these many steps and then the subtle body come in and the intention of the meditation or in the intention. Yeah. It's important to go through all. So it is important to go through all this detail in the studying process so that we know we have the ability to be precise in the auditive plane, in the ability of speaking to the other, not fixing the other with our hands, but to communicate to the other how to think of themselves and to bring their awareness into their tissue and flesh and from their shape in a way that's going to heal both posture, energetic alignment, and the physiological tendencies that come of this osteopathic. Can you speak a little bit, because I think in one of your Instagram posts, you talked a little bit about embodiment. Like how is yoga a practice of embodiment in terms of like how a person, let's say different than other things, how a person can feel feel their bodies and their shoulders and, and not just at the presence, the presence of spirit. You know, like sometimes I hear you talk a lot about embodiment and like how and the mental, like the physical, the mental, the spiritual, like so the five koshas. So we have the yeah. physical tissue, we have the energetic tissue, we have the mental tissue or fle- or, or sheaths, and then we have the consciousness or the sheath of consciousness and the and the and the self, the, the soul, like the cause of breath. And so when we see these five sheaths and we understand that life happens because they're in total synchrony. There's a line of a, 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 a silver lining in, that connects this five. And so, yes, we can talk about the physical posture a lot in the bones and the muscles. And what is interesting is that inside of our torso and our brain live the organs that respond to the mm-hmm. physiological systems in perspective of the posture of the bones and muscles. So if you're back then, you're going to be super excited and open and, and alert and the five senses are going to be super aware of what's happening outside. If you forward bend, you're going more into restorative sleeping mode, so you go inside. Okay, so we understand this in terms of energy and physiology in the parasympathetic going in and the sympathetic going out. But then there's the mind. The mind is way much more complex. Like we have sadness, we have pride, we have arrogance, and we have 
a centered sense of self. And our mind moves through all these angers and different frustrations and, and different points in the cycle of the emotions. And our body responds to that, not only in the emotional, energetic posture, but also in the physical bone and mm -hmm. muscle posture. So when we talk about these five sheaths, the body, the, sorry, the flesh, the energy, and the mind, on top of it, we have consciousness and we have the soul. The soul is keeping us breathing. But, but the consciousness is actually the ability to observe and distinguish between things, to tell the difference between things and then choose this discernment and free will or, or willpower. So discernment and willpower are the qualities of the soul that we find in the consciousness of a human being. So when we just know this and we observe, we watch ourselves and we notice, yes, this is where my mind's at. And yes, This is how my energy is because of where my mind is at. And yes, this is the shape my body has taken because of these energies and this mental state. But I am consciousness and I want better for myself. And I'm going to give myself a posture that looks more like where I want and where I choose to go. So we stop being the victims of the just development of mental process, which is yeah. some kinds of its own, it's erratic. Without consciousness, there's nothing to guide it. So mm -hmm. we choose what thoughts we want to choose to think and which ones we don't want to choose to think. And we've all gone through this. We were all adolescents. I mean, every single one of us went through noise and then just like yeah. cutting through and choosing. I want to be whatever you want to be, a, pa a father, a queer person, a, 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 whatever you choose. You want to yeah. be happy? You want to be a victim? That's how you want to do it? Well, you can. <laughs> I mean, people, a lot of people are very successful at it in some way. <laughs> so, like, it's whatever you choose. It's choose your own adventure. I know if you had those books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have that. <laughs> And so it was It was in, in, in grade school. There was this books that I guess were from the 60s because I was reading them in the 70s and they were called Choose Your Own Adventure. And they were like 150. I love that. And so when you came But to the end of it... It's beautiful to see like Choose Your Life as your own adventure too. Yeah, it was incredible to have that as a book in childhood because there were like 20 of them. And then when you get at the end of the first chapter, you have three possible next chapters and they're clearly like very simply descriptive. And they say what page to go to. So you go to that page and some of them, as soon as you went to it, oh, and then he crashes and the book ends. And then, <laughs> <laughs> or you go to page 55 and there's like 10 more chapters. Oh, I love that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have, I have I actually have experienced a book like that when I was a child. Those are really cool. So what do you think the, is the vast sort of thing? I don't want to, I don't want to say goal because I know there's no goal in yoga, but Maybe for well, you, I know it's a different perspective. What do you think? Why are we, what's this yoga all about? I, mean, I, I do think there's a goal in yoga. Okay. Okay. Tell me. Some, the I, say, experience of I say that, I say that sometimes and a lot of people tell me, don't use the word goal in yoga. I'm yeah. Like, okay, it's like non oriented you know, practice. And then people don't are do just, this oh, and that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just, I, I, everybody wants to keep it open-ended, but like, yes, it, yes it's open-ended. It always is. There's nothing we mm -hmm. can do about it. Yeah. Yet there is frequency. 
and there is process and mm. it's ongoing and it's multifactorial yet our identity the cause of breath the cause of heartbeat the actual order the creativity order of the universe that includes destruction but it just includes this as a, as a form of ge- ge- regeneration sometimes we identify with the grief of the destruction just too much Mm-hmm. We end up stuck in the Shiva ashes mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we can wear the Shiva ashes and we can we can we can bear the grief at the moment it is proper. We also have tools to go through it properly, mm-hmm. to go deeply into it, to not run away from it. This is why we know right. how to meditate. But we also know that what's inside of it all, what is actually keeping experience being experienced. Is this this pulsating consciousness that breathes with a magic that's beyond any tragedy? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's yes. just so pure and so and whole. What What did you just say about happiness? Oh no, happiness, Ananda, the 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 state of the yes. the, the cause of heartbeats, the cause yeah, of the bl- heartbeat like itself. the bliss, yeah, the bliss, Ananda Mayakosha which is the state, is the radiance of existence. And it's what actually by its own eminence is provoking things to hold up as real in this illusional plane, as matter in this ethereal space, and as objects of our own perception as our own life and our own breath and our existence. And this gorgeous wealth of beauty, which we're grateful for, all the time, we're exactly in the angle where we can perceive it. If we were in this, if, if our perspective was the size of a molecule, we just see other atoms now and then. But if our if our perspective is like being a planet, we couldn't see human experience. Like you can try to look at it from a camera from the moon. It's very right. Hard to that's a that's a very is. good point. So how how has the practice changed for you? I'm very curious. Like. Like today, what is this practice for you on a personal level? Okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you laugh. Okay. Okay, tell but, me. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something funny first, and then we'll something serious. Okay, okay. But I was at this New Year's with a very handsome guy after swimming in the ocean, and I want to do a yoga practice, but I don't want to be ruled with like go take care of yourself, no? Because breakfast came later. So I said, "What's your movement practice?" And uh, he said, "Which is vanity muscles?" And when he said that, I was like, "I know, I know the sequence. Just follow me, you know." So it was <laughs> super easy to just like, "What do you want? A little bit of abs, a little bit of butt, and a little bit of shoulders yeah. and chest. I can give you that." And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. So the, there's a part of me with my yoga that's it's it's about its adaptability and it's about mm-hmm. its its currency. Also, you know, it's just like. Let's make it daily, easy, fluid, natural, spontaneous. On the other hand, yeah, I love that. My my deepest observation constantly, and maybe only know I know about this is my breath. And mm. sometimes when I and 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 it's easy to talk about this when I'm meditating or when my my yoga practice. No, when I'm falling asleep, when I'm waking up. When I'm in the middle of the night, and I don't know if you still, while being asleep, you are aware. And then sometimes where maybe I watch a Netflix show, 
but I'm aware of my breath. And and this awareness of the breath sometimes is like, I should maybe put the shoulder here so my yes. lung has a better shape and it's going to allow more air in. Or I'm going to bring like a little bit more of a pillow under my knee so that my belly has and I'm going to exhale and it's going to, it's going to go away. And so, and, and in my breath, there's this balancing, just like plane of existence because it's my mind and it's my, and, and sometimes let's get real. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, I have several businesses. I'm in yoga and that has like my online school, but my on presence teachers trainings and my other classes and the privates and you know, it's a myriad, but also I'm an architect and I do, do furniture and I produce artisan fabrics in Oaxaca. Oh, that's awesome. And, I didn't even know that about you. And I'm doing, in, I'm, I'm doing hotels and interior designers. Wow. Artwork, very I'm trying cool. to make it because my purpose is to have a, a, a it's, it's recycled cotton, but it's handcraft. So I'm trying to tilt things in a different way. Yet, sometimes I will speak for many hours in the day or be super in a hurry to get like emails and things done. And my breath will come out of that process a little bit more shallow. But I'm aware that the change happened in the breath. So in my practice, I could talk about how there's a constant observation of my breath. There is a very like fluid experience in my body and movement. And there's this awareness in my mind of am I identified with happiness or am I being stuck in any other emotional process of the mind and identifying with it, which I'm not. Mind is a tool. Emotions are there to have the energy flow through the cycles, just like in Ayurvedic the dosha cycle needs to happen. In a day it happens. It's like the circadian rhythms. It, they all happen. We are, but sometimes the mind gets in the loop. And so to come back to where, who am I? I am this happiness. I am this pulsing breath of the universe. I am this perspective of this reality that's divine because look at you and look at me and look at everything around you. It's, it's, it's it, it, even my dog, I watch him sometimes staring at reality with awe. <laughs> and, and and it's to be able to be in this in this state of gratitude. So I'd say that's that's where my practice is at. It's simple. That's beautiful. I love that you just said staying in this simple, but also staying in the state of gratitude because gratitude is such a powerful vibration. But can you speak a little bit about combining yoga and business, running multiple different businesses? You even mentioned the design and i i totally get it uh, that as an extension an expression mm. of the yoga and what you do because it's in different ways doesn't have to come up in only teaching yoga class i don't think yoga can be so many different things and i think you do it so beautifully how for people who are listening who are have business owners or doing things creatively mixing creativity with business how do you juggle all that well i find abundance to be an incredible resource it's so enjoyable to to be able to choose from all the options what to eat how to sleep <laughs> uh, like where to live and and 
and how mm-hmm. to live. So a lot of these very graceful yogic decisions become available thanks to all this abundance. And the first part of this abundance is as as we not spilling, no, as we saw in the in the yamas and the yamas, no, to to be able to harness. And so also just choosing not to spend our energy and time in things that are not necessarily what's good for us. So I was able to welcome yoga as a business practice in my life because yoga is aligned with my principles. At first, I have different professional like avenues thought for myself in in, in my mind. I, I thought being an urbanist was going to be a good way to place environments for collective experience to be able to rise to a more graceful set of virtues. And so actually I had that intention. Urbanism was potentially something that could be bent to serve for my interest. And architecture then became the the, the school I went to to study urbanism. I stayed in architecture because it actually has a broader span. And I was able to understand why it's such a humanitarian art science school. And and it was through architecture and during architecture that I started becoming very interested in yoga. Basically because I started noticing that the core of geometry and the experience of the identity of a human and architecture is in a way trying to hold temples that help social masses to become identified with higher values. And so in the in the in the in the search of how to know these higher values very precisely, I ended up in yoga. So it was easy to access yoga into my architectural life. And then I dedicated uh some time to my architecture practice until it felt a little bit vain. It was beautiful. <laughs> And then it, I, I dedicated all my time to yoga. I would say until it became a little bit too ideal and it needed, I needed personally other creative outlets to express my values without it being my body and somebody else's understanding and body. Mm-hmm. And so. I've always been part of um, activism and I've always been part of sustainability activism, basically. Mm -hmm. So I started re-engaging instead of yoga conferences, I started going to to human rights and sustainability conferences again. But I started to choose subjects that were related to design and to corporate systems because in in my yoga school, I developed a coaching process that very well fits the interests of, co- of corporate environments. It, okay. it was used for me to hold my relationship with my community of students, but also with my community of teachers that led my teacher trainings and staff. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the in the side of the of the design, I always kept in mind the importance of sustainability. So. I until I heard this sentence that the second pollutant most the second most viral pollutant in the planet after oil is fabric. Oh wow! So textiles. I didn't know that. And so I was like, okay, textiles. Uh, I really did not know yeah. that. 
Yeah, all the fast fashion and all the textiles being used in Egypt. Oh, yeah, the lot. fast fashion is a lot. Well, if you just understand the human skin, that human skin, as, as the amount of humans are touching all the time, uh -huh. they're touching a fabric in their clothes and they're touching fabric in their furniture and the bed and the towels and the and the seats of every bus and truck. And like textiles yeah. are a way to and finish a cushion so that we have a surface to touch that is not wood or metal or something hard. So on, once there's after a certain moment, your mind goes like, oh, okay, it's like the comfort padding of of the human experience. Let's make it sustainable. And so I I went both to handcraft to have a little bit more social responsibility, cultural heritage, and the recycled cotton that I was able to get my hands on for production. And so so I welcome into my to my expression anything that is aligned with my values. Of course, uh -huh. there's so many things that are not, and it's so easy to just not do them. And then there's the parameter of business. And so I think I I I I'll never forget my father's words teaching me golf and saying, like, just look at the ball and do your swing. The it'll end up where it has to be. Just don't don't turn don't turn the look like so it was like don't become attached to the expectation of the outcome. Uh -huh. Just focus in the skill in action and in the present moment and the stability in the central axis of it. It'll land where it has to land. And um, I found it I found it to be true. And there's a certain abundance with that mentality too, because then you disconnect from the outcome and you can be fully present in what you're what you're doing with the intent. And and not so much thinking, well, what is going to, the ball is going to land, you know, or. Yeah. And sometimes you do have, see, we do have to assess ourselves like, well, who is this? Yes. Who's, who's, who's looking, who's following, who's signing up, who's not, who am I talking to, who am I not? And then you get to oh, yeah. the business part. But the, um, the, what's been very beautiful is that, for example, I started doing fabrics and the price of the fabric came about itself. But the value of the fabric came about itself and people's mm -hmm. appreciation came about that as well. And I feel mm -hmm. a little bit like in the time where we were doing yoga at the beginning, where mm -hmm. people would even think like, well, yoga is not something you can charge for because it's spiritual. no? Mm. <laughs> or it, or, and, and right now it's like coaching and transformation are the leading industry with wellness in the planet. Mm. And we have the, the fabrics, whatever it is that you touch with those with those same values, without the same heart, with that same touch, becomes as relevant as it is to you. And it's important to keep it, I think, graceful and with an attitude of service. And so that's been yeah. my experience. Graceful mm -hmm. and with an attitude of service. Love that. There's I was looking because there's a great documentary about fast fashion. If people want to watch it, it's called The True Cost. It's very interesting. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but you should. You'd probably be uh, very interested yeah. in it. I've been in. I've been in those conferences. <laughs> yeah, and in, so, in life. <laughs> uh, yeah, in your life. So, do you teach the business of yoga in your teacher trainings? Yes, that's something. Um, something that's very beautiful is that I'll receive. This is like very true. Maybe. Every every successful student, a successful student is every student that has been teaching for more than four years. I love that. Uh -huh. Because there's a lot of people that start teaching, but then yes. I, I know some people get it hard to make it fit their life or their 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 their, their capacity of service. You no, know? mm -hmm. 
But the let's say if they if they if they have four year practice, or maybe some of them still ask me 15 years after they studied with me. But the question will be like, hey Marcos, I'm teaching uh private classes and group classes, but I was just invited to teach in a studio and I didn't like how much they wanted to pay me. Am I wrong? Or or I would I want to do a retreat. How much am I supposed to earn for this? And then hey Marcos, I'm gonna open a yoga studio. I have to pay like rent and teachers. Like how much is my profit supposed to be? And then some people will like, hey Marcos, like this brand just called me and I see you work with a lot of brands. Like what? How much would I charge the brand? Or the, these and, are very typical questions. So I love that you're gonna address these. I love it. And for people listening, because there's people listening all, all, really all over the world, it it, 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 like Marco just said, we can't tell you exact numbers because it's going to depend on where you live. Do you know I used to live in Mexico City? I told you that when, right? when I was little. When I was yeah, little, when my when little. my was my like, parents no. <laughs> My parents moved there for five years and I, I almost five years and I lived there when I was like seven to early teen, mid teens. And yeah, Mexico City, I used to live in Lomas de Besares. And I, I lived in the beginning, I lived in Polanco for a while. How and then there you? was a place when I lived in Polanco, I was like eight, nine. But then after that, it was Lomas de Besares. And then I used to go horseback riding. Past Lomas de Besares, you keep going. There's like this beautiful mountains. I can't remember the name. But La Marquesa. Like, yes. Thank you for <laughs> saying. Oh, my God. I love La Marquesa. It's so beautiful. It is. Yeah. It's very fresh it's air. gorgeous. So you you go into the city to teach now? or I So what's happening? I'm leading a, a unpresence teacher training in Oaxaca, which is four days every month for five months. Another one in Torreón, in the north of the country. Mm-hmm. And I have some other retreat will happen once a month, more or less, either here in the ranch or somewhere in the beach. So I have three weekends for work. And then weekdays, I'm here at the country house, eating from my Panland garden, having my chimney. You said sleeping. ranch. Is it like a ranch where you live? It's or a few like, hectares. Like a and my dad used, yeah, it's in the country. And it's just by the town. My dad used to have cattle and a lot of head of sheep, but I, there's no animals right now here, just my dog, but there's uh-huh. lots of plants and I eat them. And um, I love that. See, I have my Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning in the countryside. And then I show up to a myriad of people for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This and is exactly what I'm, I'm doing. Back. Yeah. Exactly so I'm available. I'm not, every, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a coffee shop. Uh huh. So I'm not in a corner of a city. They're waiting for people to walk, walk in. I already did that. I sometimes miss it. <laughs> Me too. Same. Because <laughs> I had a yoga studio. Yeah, I had a yoga studio in New Orleans for ten years. Then I worked in LA at Yoga Works for many years, and then moved to the country where I am now, close to horses where? and by close to New Orleans. I mean, I used to live in New Orleans. Now I live more like an hour and something away and it's more country-ish and I live on water and there's there's animals there's horse country nearby and that's primarily why I moved here and to be I have chickens I'm just much but I go to this I go and do what you said I go and I do I travel a couple weekends a month and I just you know and I'm I'm in big cities and I'm around a lot of people and I teach but then I I feel like for me 
from my, my composition, whatever, I feel is very healthy for me to retract. Some, but it's interesting to retract to kind of go inside and balance my body, mind, spirit, so then I can go and give back. But like you said, sometimes I miss being in the middle of all it too, because when I lived in Los Angeles and I was working at different yoga works and I had so much around me, so much stimulation, city stimulation. Oh. And in New Orleans too, I lived like in the middle of everything in New Orleans. Magazine Street was like, and now I'm kind of, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you said that I could relate so much to the missing it a little bit, but also really enjoying this time. And like you said, I say, I may or may not do that again. I may. Have you noticed how many lives we've lived in one? Ex isn't that great? And isn't it's, that crazy? It's, 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 it's really different lives, completely different. Yeah. Everything is different. Technology is different. The people that were around me were different. Culture is different. And mm -hmm. the transformation we've gone through in this process, I think, is a, it just shows that detachment is not necessarily a personal practice. It's a flow with the environment. Because the environment also dis just like it disappears, it goes away, and we 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 move into the awe of our new learning process, the the new things that pulls us in, and so we we move into it, and we move into a new direction. And this this what I I was I was in an interview I was asked very recently, how long has my longest relationship been? And I answered well. My longest relationship has been yoga <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's, yeah, it's over, it's 27, 28 years. And we keep this. This is the common thread, the yoga, the practice, the breath, the, the awareness, the physical, the health, the fitness, the vigor, the peace, the awe, the mm -hmm. gratitude, the state of bliss. This is really what we learn to keep as we move along and a little bit in a way we move away and we, I think it's, it's a way we keep the best of, of things. And we, it's not that we let go or we throw away, we just like move along and let it all reshape and happen. And I think this is one of the, the keys for longevity or healthy longevity. I think that that is one of the greatest assets yoga has for us. It's a it's a blessing. It it's it gives us a youth and also a way to to gather a, a sense of experience that becomes a wealth. So so that is I think that is what we share, and that is why you and I can hop in this in this podcast and mm -hmm. have so much in common. Yeah, and I always, but I felt that too, even when we first met at our retreat, I mean, we we felt like, you know, I felt like a, a connection with you. What I was thinking too is that, oh, what you just said about, it's interesting to me how you are like me in this way, and there's probably other people listening like this, that you can, you, you love, like, this is what you're doing, and you love, and obviously you're passionate about what you're doing, you're 100% in it. And yet you are open to things changing. 
into other, another experience. Or like you said, I'm not in the coffee shop corner, but you could go back there. Like this, this sort of like, you know what I mean? Like this openness and this sense of wonder in life and not being so much, I'm in this box in black and white. Oh, I moved to the country and this is how it is. Oh, I moved to the city and this is how it is. I find that that's a really beautiful thing in any human being when I find that to, to the ability to stay open and to stay curious because, you know, be in the flow, like things could change. If we get so dogmatic, I don't know. It's like, it feels like a little more harsh. So life. I think I, I, do, so I have seen this in people that don't have this specific yoga quality that we're talking about right now mm. related to attachment and flow and it's when I, I remember having a conversation with someone, we were doing a coaching process and the person said like, okay, so that's true. This is my, my like backbone reality. It's this location. It's with these people. It's with this job. And these things conform my identity. This person was under a lot of stress, but this person was not willing to let go of any of the parameters that have built what he has his identity to be. I know a lot of people like that. And so, and and I respect it. So the moment that he he asked me, look, I'm going to keep this. How can I make it work with this? And I said, okay, we're going to need a lot of tools. You're going to increase the sleep a lot. We're going to mm-hmm. increase the circulation of like energy and flow a lot in you so that at least it moves like that. We're going to be very careful with the food and we're going to be very careful with the toxic things because mm-hmm. when you add to that rigid uh, attachment, a lot of like, for example, wine, cigarettes or other substances like white flowers, sugars, indulgements, and then late nights and a lot of TV and screens in the night. Mm-hmm. And and not enough time for workout and practice and physical and vanity. So then so then that becomes bloated in a in a very unhealthy way because the emotions are old and are stagnated and are intense and are like feeding of each other and the systems. So the the others that are not living with these qualities, mm-hmm. I think, have a lot to take from the tools of the practice. The tools that yoga offer, and there are so many. Because we, I think we get to use a little bit less tools and use more lifestyle. Exactly. Once you're like in it, but you know, for people who are listening, maybe don't have any idea of where to find some tools. The eight limbs of yoga can be something that's really helpful and just very informative. The yamas, five yamas, five niyamas, and then the old eight limbs. Also, we have Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. There's so many to ponder and think about. There's just, uh, to me, that's what it, some of what I call the tools, like things. Totally. I like to think that I have like a little toolbox because I have, I, I can catch myself when I'm, when I'm spiraling now or when I'm in this sort of attached to a certain emotion, may it be guilt or anger or victim mentality or whatever, right? And then just say, okay, wow, okay, I'm catching myself, which one of my, what is in my toolbox that I can go there? So now I can have an experience with this and maybe transmute that energy into something more, even if it's just neutral, instead of just happy, happy or sad, sad. So, and that... Happiness and happy are two different things. Yes. 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 
Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Tiredness so or digestion of experience are two different things. Well, like when you're tired and you want to go to bed, you kind of look sad, unmotivated. Mm. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you're actually on grief state of uh -huh. sadness. It's just it just has that part like style. And mm -hmm. when we love the style and we understand it and we have like the right PJs, pajamas to go with it. We have the right teacup to go with mm -hmm. it. And we and we we get the aesthetic of that state of the nervous system. Maybe it does have a little bit of sadness, maybe it has a little bit of exhaustion, but we bring it into a style that is something good. Mm -hmm. It's healthy to get on that stride. And so we we choose music to, that goes with that. And we put the lights in the tone that go with that. And finally, we go into the sleep mode and we, and, and, but then there are other moments where we're in vigor and some people are so identified with having to be in vigor that they don't let themselves go through that. Right. Slant. And so it's the, the, the rides. So to, Ayurveda is a whole tool itself. Ayurveda, yeah. the science of life, it's a medicine system in, in the science system in the in Hinduist or Indian system mm -hmm. and culture. Mm -hmm. And it really is a window of how to administrate balance by understanding cycles of movement in a circular or spiral way. And this understanding becomes so organic and so intimate and so natural that so spontaneous. And it just allows us to deliver ourselves into that flow with the circadian rhythms of the day and with food and with temperature and light and darkness and those simple things that are what every day is made of. And we become more skilled, skilled in act, in the action of moving through the flow of a day. So I think we are all of us exposed to it. Either we study yoga or Ayurveda or we don't just because it's the same reality we share. And we are either paying attention or not. Or we are actually then using information that is very ancient or new information, scientific information about this, or we're not. So I think as 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 we are, we're inviting others, we're welcoming others into this interest, into this study process, into this including this 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 consciousness or this information, this conocimiento, this knowledge into our way of being into our own skills and yes it's it's very enjoyable so sadness and being tired are not the same thing but we can let them come together in a corner and then mm -hmm. passion enthusiasm and and then creativity and we can we can we can have a moment in in the day for each of them it's it's not convenient when we don't have moments for them in the day mm -hmm. when, that when, makes when sense. some of these things start to slip away from our and they and they and suddenly they become oh that's not my style or that's not my identity well it's part of balance so find a way to make it yours yeah ayurveda teaches us a lot of that and mm -hmm. the movement of the mind like there's there's this beautiful thing where the mind is there it, to, to digest the experience of reality and give us knowledge about it. So we can let it work. Through its we, own lenses, through its own perspective. Yeah, So, but, but the, if, if there's an issue in the mind, do. Yeah. if there's an issue in the mind, you go like, okay, I'll let the mind eat it up yeah. until it comes with, ah, an aha moment. And when, when uh -huh. do you know that the mind did its job? Because you're grateful. 
That's when oh, you know yeah. the mind actually did what it had to do. If mm-hmm. the mind is coming up with something that would like, it's not something to be grateful for. It's like mind work at it some more. Like I'll give you meditation yeah. space, eat it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and when it arrives to gratitude, when it arrives to a learning experience, when it becomes wisdom, when it becomes an asset, something that you use as a, as part of your skills and you can share with other people, then you know your mind's done the job. But so you can let the mind do its job. And by that, you actually like, you do not become the mind doing it. It's, it's just trust it. You're not the mind. It's just a tool you have. So yes, beautiful. into that space. In Beautifully said. I have, so I want to circle back to our retreat in Nicaragua and want to tell you two things or ask you, well, say one thing and ask you another. You, one time there in Nicaragua when we were on retreat, we were sitting, I think, like on breakfast and we were all talking about mountain pose and Tadasana. And I recorded, you, you walked me through from the foundation, right, to yeah. the feet and up to a Tadasana blueprint. And That's I thought me. it was so freaking marvelous and beautiful. I actually asked you to do it again, and I recorded it. And I I can't find the recording, Glorious. but I had the I know I, I had the recording for many years, and then I think something on my phone went away. It's and still it, over it was, my Instagram. Oh, okay, good. I can go back and get it. But I, because I just loved that moment with you, I thought it was so beautiful and so insightful oh, into so, so many things. I'm so happy you remember that because that's exactly yes. that so for some time people used to call me my I had a nickname for some time, Tadasana. <laughs> I didn't know people that. were like Tadasana. Even my family were like Tadasana. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's I mean it's to me it's like it's such a significant asana. It's like everything. If you could, it's our if life, I could, it's standing yeah, if I could teach one thing to one person, yeah. it would be Tadasana. That's what I do. Um, and my question, other on this part, is how was, can you tell us and the listeners a little bit about your experience or what you got from Mati Israti, the teacher we mentioned in the beginning during the time that you've spent learning from her? Because you said you still pull some of her things into your practice today. She's alive. I'd love to hear about that. So, well, I can't not say something about Tadasana, so I'm going to share it with everybody yes. that feels yeah. listening. So if yeah. you're standing on your feet, make sure that you can feel the spread of your toes and feel how much weight you have both in heels, toes, inner arch, outer arch, and pull up to the top of the ankle. Micro bend the knee just a tad in front of the heel and then pull the kneecap up Tighten the hamstrings into the arches of the feet. You're going to feel the sit bones drop very slightly. Bring the sacrum behind the heel. And the pubic bone, try to put it a little bit higher than the tailbone. And then feel the ribs drop into your hip points. And make sure your pubic bone and hip points are slightly behind the knee. And the sternum in front of the pubic bone. And then Hey, you're going to feel a curve into the lower back, out the thoracic curve into the kyphotic line, and then into the cervical lordosis, into the neck, and then you feel the head sitting on top of the spine. Now the shoulder blades. Feel the shoulder blades flat into the ribs, then broaden mm-hmm. the shoulder blades with a slight arm rotation in your 
humorous mm-hmm. bones, opening the hands to everything oh, about us and around us. And so then just like feel the chin slightly on top or maybe a little bit in front of the sternum, the crown of the head, crowning into the heavens and keep watching for this alignment in space, this blueprint of how the knee in front of the the heel, but then the pubic behind the knee, but then the sternum in front of the pubic on top of the knee and the chin slightly on top of the sternum or in front of of the sternum and the crown going up. And the same thing we do in the back, the heel is behind the back of the knee, the sacrum behind the heel, lumbar lordosis in front of the sacrum, thoracic kyphosis behind the lordosis, but in front of the sacrum, then the lordosis of the neck going in the back of the skull and the occipital bone behind the neck, but slightly in front of the sacrum. And so with the upper back in front of the lower back and the breath and the energy just rising, feel the circulation. And this is beautiful Tadasana, what the blueprint of our being is to be. Anything not that is the dynamic process of identity, shifting our bones out of neutral. So in all self-esteem and true love, bring yourself to this harness Tadasana and let your breath and identity come from here and any other movement from here, watch it as part of a cycle, but come back. Mm, namaste. Thank you so much for that. This is, <laughs> and then Mati. This is a treat. This is a <laughs> way. I just have to say this is a treat for me and for the listeners. So thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I invite, okay. invite everybody. If you are driving right now, stop, rewind and go when you can and do it. I just closed my eyes and even sitting, I did all the blueprint and it just something shifted inside of me. It's I just love that. So it's some somehow we meditate on on our flesh, and then there we find a, a stillness and a stability, the stiram sukam, and then from there we enlarge our identity, and everything comes from there. It's it's normally blissful. So Mati, Mati, if I have to say something of her, the first thing I'd say is bright like a quartz sun sharp and certain the clarity of how you could tell and every time you had a conversation her mind had had digested the reality we perceive already and have come to conclusions she was certain and the and that certainty coming across with such sense of humor such a loud sense of humor full of personality and so actually also graceful and strong. The way mm-hmm. she understood the strength of the mind. I remember being in her practice holding postures forever and then on the second side and thinking you would want her to be the mother of the secretary of defense. <laughs> because you want that person to be a good person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you want yeah. that person to be strong and unwithering and in their mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. So in what ways do you bring, do you feel like she still lives in your practice? Well, for example, I have a loud voice. And when I heard her speak, I felt like, and she's funny, and I think I am. So that's already. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you are funny. Yeah. So then I, for me, it's like freedom and authenticity, but 
a clarity and certainty and, and very clearly a, a leading capacity because when she spoke a word, it was not to be reflected on, it was to be executed. And then, and then you'd reflect on the experience. But her command was absolute mm -hmm. space. And it gave us all so much strength with so much love. And when we, our weaknesses were, were showing up either in our eyes or in somewhere in our mind, she'd laugh about it on our faces with us. Mm -hmm. And it would just dissipate it with so much like, yeah, it's in a gracious way, but also as powerful of her, as her strength. And I think then there was the knowledge she would have, she was certain to have said that she had said something before, but then re thought of what she said and always kept a very, very sharp responsibility on how to complete the consequences of what she said before and make it that be true, but with this other information. And so uh -huh. she, her linguistics and, and the skill of her script was responsible for decades of practice and, and keeping it coherent and fresh and 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 yeah. evolving. She was always learning uh, yeah. through us, through our pain, that, through her body. That's the word that's coming to me. Isn't it interesting, the evolution of yoga and how all of this practice continues to evolve, even brings me back to what you said, the generations. And it's interesting to see all the different expressions of it and how it evolves and and, and and it's not even called yoga anymore. I mean, let's get real. CrossFit didn't even exist when we started. Yeah. And people were not doing all this functional training. Or there's all this, like, calisthenics or the hyperpressives. Like, I mean, every time I see the qualities within all this, yeah, I mean, they're unique, yes, but I can see the yoga inside of it. And even dance, I can see the yoga. I see the yoga everywhere. And I see mm -hmm. that... It it just it just honed into like pay attention to the body, be focused, be knowledgeable about yourself, have discipline, and what are the virtues of discipline? I've seen, I've seen humanity transformed. Some people will want to say like, yeah, but that's not all yoga. Like, but then there's people like you and me that have seen the decades mm -hmm. evolve and like, well, it is yoga for people mm -hmm. that don't do yoga. What would you have to say to students who are graduating from yoga teacher trainings all over the world right now? If you have some some tips for them. Some of you know what you're doing because you just needed a certification to be validated and a little bit of information to make sure you're not going to do it wrong. But you already have a message. And this message that you have is so intimate to the DNA of your being and your heart and your, your own experience and your own personal growth since you've been a child. And it, yoga is going to become the canvas for people that are not even looking for yoga or for you, but want this learning and these qualities and these contents that are in your heart and in your soul. Once people learn them from you, they're going to move on. Don't become attached to your students and make sure that you become as a teacher, such a responsible one that you're going to go through a digestive 
the distillation process of whatever it is that you have in your soul and your heart and yourself and this transcendent aspect of you, but also your experience. And you are going to find a way to distill it into a method. So anything that it is that you have in your heart, you're going to bring it through a method. You can use all the tools and nomenclature of yoga and you can add a few little corners of it. It's going to be like your own Upanishad of yourself. And you're going to bring it across and you're going to bring it into service. You're going to document it and you're going to allow people to not be mesmerized by the magic and mystery of what you are, but to be able to purchase from you a methodical, distilled process of what you have to offer so that other people can understand it as a method and if possible, be able to reshape it and use it for themselves in their other practice. This would be a way for you to not get lost in your own magic or people get lost in your own magic because we're all looking for the light and it mm -hmm. shines through all of us and we should never become the, the fly that becomes attached to the beacon or mm -hmm. becomes to become attached that the flies to become attached to become that, that that we don't want that to happen. So the more we distill it and we become we let it become a method and we we put it out there, the more the purer the relationship of the student with its own journey is going to be, and that is your service. Thank you. Beautifully said. Last question: What do you have to share about meditation? I always like to ask that question. Hi. Ah. I have seen so many styles of guided meditation right now. Lately, it's become very interesting to me when I like all this, like apps and books and mm -hmm. recordings. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> watch mm -hmm. the mind, unidentify from it, and find the silence of the observer. Become skilled in the ability to just feel the silence and the stillness in the body accumulate this capacity, become skillful in holding the non-action attitude inside of it, and you're going to feel in this lowering of activity, of non-action in the depth of your deep, true silence, as your mind is doing the job. You're going to feel it in your cellular system. You're going to feel it in the relationship between the cause of breath and the expression of breath, you're going to see, you're going to just feel your breath going to different dimensions of depth and wellness and, and, and solitude and emptiness. Go for it very deep. Then you will hear long sequences of the mind, like that some of them have been going for decades or five years or years or months, but you're going to see this agendas drop, they're going to mm -hmm. end, but only in that silence. If you are going to use the mantra to arrive to the silence, arrive to the silence and begin. It happens in the silence. Be open to the grace of something that no rational mind can do. Be open to the grace of something that no movement will do. Mm -hmm. No action. There is no tool that creates the healing that deep solitude and silence can. You will yes. be reborn and you will be 
vigorous and you'll be clean and you will disengage from pattern through the ability to pass boredom and many miles after boredom in silence and stillness, you will see those sunrises and dawns. They're gorgeous. What a beautiful way to put it. And so well said. I couldn't agree with that more, what you just said. So how can people get a hold of you? Share with us what you are up to, if there's any upcoming retreats, anything. Also, I will I will include anything, all of this in show notes, as I always do. But what's the best way? Is it Instagram to get a hold Instagram of Instagram at Marcos Hassan M M A R C O S J A S A N. If you click properly there, you'll end up in my WhatsApp. Because if you go to the webpage, there's a little WhatsApp and you like Okay. WhatsApp is amazing for me. I have a retreat in a castle in Paris. Only only ten to four people are gonna go. It's a beautiful Where, where beautiful is castle. that? In Where the Valle de Loire, in the in the Val de Loire, in France, in France, and a friend of mine, like he just said, like you can bring this is a real castle, like it's going to be glorious, and I'm bringing a chef with a chef with a helper, and we're going to wow. be doing like three and a half practice, or like it's going to be journaling for an hour with very light breakfast, and then like mm-hmm. a th- over three hour, almost four hour practice every day, and then you can I just just like. Like work brunch, and after brunch you can walk or not, or just have conversations. Um, this house <laughs> traps you; you can't leave a room and go to the next one. <laughs> and then after that, we're gonna have a short meditation, like moving into that depth, and then our dinner. The diet is based on sleeping deep, alkalinizing the body, and full deep bloating. So it's anti-inflammatory, full sleep. And, Love and that. the idea, and it's very wealthy, healthy food. So it's going to build muscle mass and it's going to deep bloat you and it's going to give you deep rest. And my practice is going to tone your body into shape. It's going to be for a week. That retreat I'm looking for a lot. I have another retreat that's in the end of yeah. June 2024. Private classes. I did, I teach them in Zoom. They're amazing. Like, well, actually, I like them very much because it's a very one-on-one focused attention and you're in your space. I'm in my space and that allows you to be the, your best version. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I truly see incredible results through the Zoom practices. I do practice. too. I do too. Love it. And th- th- I have an online teacher training. It's in Spanish. It's fully automated, but I'm there for my students all the time. Same thing happens with, I have a, I have for English speaking, speaking people, I have one set of 13 practices called Tulum, Authenticity. And they're in my website, in my Thinkific platform. And they are incredible because I taught them in English in, in, in COVID. And they are COVID art because they're elated, they're deep, they're strong, they're powerful. They last at least an hour and 15 minutes each. One of them lasts three hours. You never know which one is which. So it's very fun. People love them. So that's what I can say. If you want to have any textile done by me, just send me the WhatsApp and we'll make it happen. Well, muchas gracias, Marcos. Estoy encantada de estar con, contigo aquí en Zoom y en para Life on Earth podcast. And I just said is thank you so much. Me, me encanta hablar contigo y 
estoy muy, mucho gusto de haberte conocido en, la, en el retreat y que todavía estamos en contacto. It feels so close. Muy bueno. I know. I know. Well, thank you. And thank you so much, everyone. And I hope you catch up with Marcos because all of this sounds incredible. And I truly love this episode. Thank you. Mm, thank you very much for inviting me and hope to see you soon. Namaste. Namaste. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope this episode has inspired you to become a better version of yourself, to give back to this beautiful planet Earth. Thank you for listening. Share this episode with someone you love. Follow Life on Earth podcast. Leave us a great review. Stay in touch, and I'll see you soon.